0: and one of the things that we do on this uh, show is to take your questions on moral and spiritual dilemmas that you're facing. And one of those dilemmas came to me by email this week. And before I get to it, remember that you can send me your question at questions at RussellMore.com about whatever it is that you're trying to figure out in your family, in your workplace, in your community, in your residence hall, where, whatever you're dealing with right now. Uh, let me know and I'll try to answer it and I'll make up a pseudonym for you unless you specifically tell me, uh, to use your name. So you don't have to worry. I'm not going to say we've got a email coming in from so-and-so about his heroin addiction. That That's not the way that this uh, works. So Rupert, that's a name I made up just now for this, uh, person wrote in and said, uh, I have an ethics question, and I'm sure that many other readers and listeners deal with the same dilemma. We have had senior adults who are widowed or a widower, and they will cohabitate but not get married because if they get remarried, they lose their social security benefits. And some will say their vows to each other. And I know pastors that will officiate a private ceremony but not file a marriage license. And I've never done that before, but I have two from my current church who live together and said their vows to each other, even though one of them is a retired Baptist pastor and they have not uh, filed a a marriage license. So Rupert's uh, questions are these. Do you feel that this is cheating the rules of social security? Is it okay for a pastor to officiate an unofficial wedding and not file a license? Is it okay for a couple to say their vows to each other? And I'm I'm assuming he means privately. Uh, And what if their union cannot be sexual because of age? Is it okay biblically for them to live together? Okay. All right. Now, he says, Rupert says, in a previous podcast, I heard you say that the wedding is not about the couple, but about the people, and I agree. Now, surprisingly, I have gotten this question a lot. The first time they ever got this question, I thought, well, this is really sort of a niche kind of a problem. Not many people are going to face this or have to deal with it. But over the years, I've come to see I was wrong because uh, almost anybody who has a high percentage of senior adults uh, in their vicinity and are ministering to them are going to run up against this problem. So let me try to answer it. And the first thing I want to say is there's always the risk that when one answers a question like this, where the, the question is, is this right or wrong, that what it will be heard as is therefore condemn the people who are wrong. That's not what I'm arguing here. As a matter of fact, I think that we can understand um, what the motivations are here for most people who are in this situation and, and why most of them would not see themselves as doing anything wrong. So the old saying, to understand all is to forgive all, is not Quite right. Um, Just because you can understand the motivations doesn't mean that something is now morally neutral or morally okay. There are many times when I will say, I don't approve of that, but I get it. You know, I remember uh, in early, early on in ministry, we knew a couple where the husband, at least. From what people could see from the outside, the husband seemed to be this really long-suffering sort of a guy, and his wife just would berate him in in front of people, would just sort of correct him as though he he was a child. And I remember one day, this guy just got up, left. Nobody ever saw him again. She didn't see him again. He was just gone. And I remember saying uh, to my wife, I don't approve of it, but I get it. (laughs) And what I meant by that is I can see what the thought process is in his mind and why he believed that he didn't have uh, any other choice. Now, I think he did have other choices, but I can see why he would not think that he did. And so when we're thinking about this situation of senior adults who – are really looking at their financial uh, stability and security and and sometimes they don't have uh, children to rely on at all, you can understand where this is coming into view. You can also understand that it's a problem because the government is unfairly penalizing marriage in this case. Um, And that's something that, biblically speaking, is good for people who are called to marriage to marry. Um, that's why the Apostle Paul says it, it's better not to marry, to, to carry out the mission that one has been given, but it's better, in First Corinthians 7, in a passage that's often misinterpreted, it's better to marry than to burn, which uh, previously people thought that meant to burn in hell, often in, in uh, from their English Bibles, but it, it actually means to burn with with passion. So it, it's better to marry than to live in this state of, of uh, frustration. Now, when, so marriage is a good thing. God God created it and loneliness is a bad thing and, and often loneliness is uh, at almost epidemic levels uh, among senior adults. if they're if they're uh, what we used to call shut in or if they're in even senior adult uh, communities, there can be a lot of people there, but it can be a very lonely place. People are isolated in their rooms. And also it's true that sometimes younger people have this impression that there comes an age where people suddenly become sexless. And uh, let me tell you, that is not true. And as a matter of fact, um, when I had a grandmother who was in sort of an assisted living, senior adult uh, type of of community, the thing that is so shocking to me is all the relationship drama. Uh, Well, Genevieve uh, is really in love with Harold, but uh, he really has a thing for Vivian, and now Vivian and Genevieve are upset with each other. I mean, all of this almost middle school drama—it doesn't change, doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter how old you get, and and not just the sort of uh, silly side of our lives as um, as uh, people who who long for connection with one another, but but also those good created structures of a desire to uh, be one flesh and to be in community with one another. So this is a good thing. That is true. Another reason, though, why people would, um, would be willing to entertain this in their minds in a way that they wouldn't if we were just talking about two single people in the prime of their lives is because they will say to themselves, well, marriage is not a government creation, and marriage isn't about the license. Um, And and what they'll do is to say, look back at at, uh, when Jesus is talking about marriage— Um, when he's saying from the beginning, he made them male and female. And uh, when he's addressing uh, the question of the Sadducees in Mark 12 about the woman who has had seven husbands, when he's saying marriage, he's not talking about the sort of process that we have in the United States where one goes and gets a marriage license and whoever's officiating signs it. That is true. But what the Bible is talking about is community accountability. So marriage, biblically speaking, is not just about the two people involved saying, I'm committed to you. That 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 can happen in uh, any sort of circumstance where I can say something, but then can change my mind with no implications of it. So when you think about in Scripture, there's a... There's a distinction made between, again, 1 Corinthians 7, those who are not married and those who are married. There's a distinction between um, non-marital uh, sex acts and marital sex. What's the difference? Well, the difference is not the license, but the difference is a sense of community accountability and community recognition of this covenant being made between two people. So sometimes you will have people who will say, well, marriage is not just a contract. And I agree with that. Marriage is covenantal. It uh, points toward the union of Christ and the church. It's not just a contract, uh, but it's not anything less than a contract. It it is a contract in the sense of uh, accountability. So in our system that sort of uh, government license, for lack of a better word, is the way that a community affirms and holds people accountable to their vows. So think about, uh, for instance, uh, Joseph uh, with Mary. He was going to put her aside quietly. There's a, there was a process involved with betrothal that uh, meant that Joseph and Mary were accountable to the community in more than just, well, we changed our mind. Uh, sort of, sort of a way. Even with betrothal, that can happen, and you see examples of this happening biblically with people who uh, decided not to marry someone or or decided not to return um, romantic affection to someone. But betrothal and then marriage are in a different category. There's accountability that is there in our system that is coming with a sort of um, licensing, which means all that the license does is to say that the state has an interest in this marriage. And the state does. The, the, the state is the one um, having to adjudicate at the civil level. These people are married. These people are the parents of, of these children. This is what the inheritance um, structure looks like. And here's what the uh, here, here's who, who owns what in terms of a, a potential divorce. All of that is in the interest of the state. That's not all marriage is. That's not even the most important thing marriage is. But that is a key component of it. Now, that would not be the situation if you had a different kind of system. And, and maybe it's uh, two extremes here. So you think of a medieval sort of Christendom, where the church is what holds the culture together. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Christendom for all sorts of, of reasons, but suppose you have that. Uh, if you have that, then yes, you wouldn't need any sort of a government uh, license because the church would be and the culture would be cohesive enough to hold people accountable to the way that they might mistreat one another or the way that they might uh, violate their, their vows. Or on the other extreme, uh, maybe a sectarian community that is distinct from the outside culture, such as the Amish where there's no need for a government recognition uh, of the marriage necessarily because the community is defining what the marriage is and they're continuing to hold the couple uh, accountable. That's not the case in American society writ large. Even in places that believe that they have uh, recovered church discipline, uh, usually uh, what is in place actually isn't church discipline in a fully orbed Matthew 18 uh, 1 Corinthians 5 sort of sense, because what it ultimately becomes is just the ability to run people off because the, the church exists within a cultural ecosystem. The cultural ecosystem is individualistic and uh, people are able just to leave certain communities and contexts um, at will. Now there's a lot of good that comes with that, as you know I could argue all day later on but there's also a lot of bad that comes with that. So the the point of the the marriage license is to say there are vows here that the community is recognized. And so there are implications if one breaks them. Now, in the case of these senior adults, you're probably not going to have children resulting from the union for obvious reasons, unless you have a Abraham and Sarah sort of situation, uh, but there can be uh, money involved, there can be sexual fidelity, and there can be a, a number of other issues uh, that have to do with the vows. So no, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't uh, officiate at, at this uh, wedding. You can hear my dog, Waylon, uh, barking in the background, and I'm really sorry, but I'm here home, uh, <laughs> broadcasting from home, and this is the risk that I run when that's the case. So I would not do it uh, for, for that reason in terms of marriage. I would also not do it in terms of the issue of truth-telling. So Rupert asked here, is this uh, lying uh, in terms of um, the government, in terms of uh, social security? Well, yeah, because what these people are attempting to do is to kind of circumvent the penalty that they would receive financially for being married by pretending not to be married. So again, you go back to Abraham and Sarah. That has been done in Scripture. That's uh, that's not, though, something that is commended to, to people who are to have the external and the internal lining up, and to give to those to whom honor is due. Now, there's a time uh, to be able to say, "None of your business" to the government. There are all sorts of things that the state doesn't have any, uh, doesn't have any legitimate function, and doesn't have any legitimate ability to interrogate. And so, saying "None of your business" is is perfectly legitimate in those cases. This isn't one of them because, again, the state does have an interest in marriage, but also because Social Security is a contractual relationship. I mean, even though most of us don't think about it uh, at all, we participate in the Social Security system and we don't think about the contractual nature of it any more than we do uh, often what we click in order to download an app it's, it's, there's a bunch of stuff there. I'm not reading through it. I'm not even thinking about it, but it's there. So I think that there, there is a sense of, I'm going to circumvent certain rules that we as a society have agreed to that I don't think is on the level. Um, Now, when Rupert is asking if they're saying vows to each other privately, and I'm assuming that Um, The implication is here that they're saying vows before God to one another. Yes, but again, that's not just the two of them. Uh, This is the two of them in community with other people. And so if the state were to come in and, for instance, forbid people to marry, then I think uh, civil disobedience would be uh, appropriate in that case. They so, say, so you don't have the ability to do that. Uh, or if the state were to come in and say, uh, these people have to marry these other people, I think civil disobedience is, is perfectly legitimate to say, uh, we're not going to do that. But that's not what's happening here. So Rupert says, well, what about they're living together and cohabiting if, they're, if they can't have sex due to age? Well... Um, I think that the implication here is that it's still a romantic relationship that's happening uh in a living arrangement outside of of marriage I mean you say they can't have sex because of age often that's not really a permanent reality and i don't I don't really think that we're going to be in the in the situation of wanting to sort of check that out in, in people's lives. So I would say generally, well, I would say no. I can't imagine a situation where I would say that that's all right. I would just say, get married, get married. Um, just as I would say to, to young people who often have the same situation, who say, well, I don't know uh, how we're gonna make it. I don't know how we're going to be able to, to live uh, married to one another. And say, marry and and work it out. Um, just just uh, work it out from then on out. So if you're dealing with these senior adults, again, the response to them is not die fornicator, you know, uh, nor is the response, I think, to judge or to condemn the pastors who are officiating at these marriages that, that don't have uh, licensure. Uh, I'm not saying that. Again, you can see how people are, Uh, thinking to themselves that this actually is a legitimate marriage. I'm just saying that a legitimate marriage uh, means that there are going to be consequences for the breaking of those vows other than just I'm gone. And so I don't think that that actually is uh, a legitimate marriage in our system. So what I would say is have an understanding of that, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't counsel anybody to do it. Instead, what I would counsel is, well, we're the church. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to care for one another. You have a couple of senior adults in your congregation. They're not sure that they can make it uh, financially, but they're, they're called to be married to one another. They're in love with one another. Help them out. Help them out in every way that the church can. Uh, that's a legitimate good for these two people to be married to one another, and they're sacrificing in order to do it. And then, more long-term, let's work to fix that system. It's not a good system to say to people uh, in order to get the social security benefits that you've uh, worked for and were promised to you, you have to be single. I don't think that's the way to go. So, do you have a question? Uh, Let me know what it is, something you're grappling with in work, life, family, church, relationships, whatever. Send it to me at questions at Russellmore.com and I am going to commit before the community that next time my dog Waylon will not be in the background. So thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, or wherever that you listen, and leave a review there. It really helps for people to find the show. And be sure also to check out Signposts, where I have conversations with thinkers and leaders on a variety of subjects. My conversation partners in recent days have included Tim Keller, Marilyn Robinson, and others. And if you're listening on Spark tap the cover art, and you'll find the show notes with some resources for you. This is Russell Moore. Honored. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast.